Mick's so consistent. I'm just trying to break apart his whole thing he's got he had going on. And now that he's not on tour anymore, like I feel like it's just free for all information. Well, that was a thing. I, I, I feel like some people, when they're on tour, they're super secretive. I asked so many questions when I was on tour, especially older guys. If anyone asked me, even when I was on tour, I was just like, cool. I'll, I'll give you everything that I've got, you know. And yeah. if you can go and beat me with that same stuff, I've done my job. The whole mindset of competing is just a really uh, fun, kind of interesting thing to dive into. And so I think when... You know, there's people like you, Mick, who's so consistent or, and like Gabe, you know, you've really found something that continues to work. And I think a great deal of it has to do with your mind and the way your mind works. I always felt like I wasn't as talented as, you know, especially like the guys who grew up with Parker and Dingo. So I had to figure out ways to, to beat them on a different level. And so that was something that I really dove into. Just that one, two percent, especially in those super clutch moments can just that can change your whole year. That can change your whole life. Yeah, it was something that I put a lot of my success down to. I've got a question for you, John. A lot of the fans sort of look at you and you have this stigma as you, you know, you're pretty relaxed. You're not super competitive. When I look at you and I see a, I see a whole different thing to what they're seeing. And I know how much work you put in behind the scenes. Like, is that a stigma you like or is that something that, you want to explode more or it is what it is in reality like i spend like 98 percent of my time thinking about the tour and 98 percent of my time thinking about surfing as a whole like i put so much time and i put so much energy into competing it's crazy like every single day you know i'm working towards it and so i mean even how these different tweaks in your life can change things on a competitive scale mm -hmm. i i sort of look at you as almost the Roger Federer of our sport. You know, Roger Federer in his early years gave zero emotion, even still to this day, he gives mm -hmm. zero emotion. He's just so one. And I feel like that's where you are and people don't appreciate it. I wish they would see how competitive you really were sometimes. Funny because I work on being even less emotional about things too. Like, you know, if you get a nine, then it's just like, okay, that's cool. I got a nine. Well, I got to get another nine. Like, like there's not a like, celebration yet, you know? What is the driving force to get a world title? What keeps driving you to want to be the best? For pretty much for my third world title, Kira Surf had a huge poster of Parco that I had to drive past every day to go surfing. <laughs> and my whole driving force for that whole year was like, I'm changing that poster. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that's funny. But... You know, but yeah, that, that's one story I, I can share. The other ones was just, I was just sick of losing. I was sick of being third. I think for me, it changes kind of every year. Last year, I had a little bit of a different thing. Like, like the first three events, like I didn't care what anyone was doing but Gabe. I was like, I don't care who won that event. Like, what did Gabe get? Because <laughs> like, you know, I feel like he is that like, uh, that level right now where that level is. Like, he's so consistent. He's such a good surfer and he can do everything you can do the airs you can do the trains and so for me that fires me up to have someone like that on tour going into pot last year must have been absolutely terrifying um i think you're about six months post-surgery nerve-wracking mm -hmm. it was so gnarly because i got home from the sailing trip the first thing i did is ride a really small like epoxy mm -hmm. which is probably my first mistake 
but I stood up on it and I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> I can't surf yet. Hype was like a month away, so I was like, there's no way, like I'm so far from it. Scary, because you know how pipe is, like backside you feel like sometimes you, you get that backwash or you'll have that one that kind of extends into the sandbar and being in that backside barrel position, you're pretty vulnerable. How bad is it? Eh? You just sit there in that stance and you're like, oh God, I'm just going to get squashed. It's the most terrifying thing. It's, uh, it's, you feel like the lip's right there the whole time. Yeah. I remember one of my first surfs, it was a, it was a two foot wave and I was just going down the line and Parker was on the side. He's like, pull in. And I was so scared to be anywhere near the barrel. I just fully tube avoided it and went around it and then fell off in front of the tube. <laughs> Yeah. Snapper is like such a compact wave. It feels like you're going faster down the line. You're making uh, little twitch movements all the time in a lower position. Whereas pipe is like, it's gnarly, but it's a drawn out canvas. You get into the barrel and you just feel like you had room and you can kind of see what the, the wave was going to do almost rather than being super compact and it just happening so quickly. It's also nice that you don't have anyone else on the shoulder trying to paddle over it like it's Snapper when you're in a tube. Exactly. <laughs> I don't see anyone. <laughs> okay, so we're on the subject of injuries. Uh, Mick, I believe that there's a, a common thread between both of your recent injuries. Can you tell us what that might be? Oh, how's, uh, <laughs> how's Pizel? Is he giving out knee braces with all new boards now or is he still rattled? <laughs> It was amazing on the stab in the dark trip though. Once Mick got hurt and he validated that, okay, this is not a board to ride. The other guy's like, no, no, we're not touching it. And it was That's like, so oh. funny. Yeah, I can see, see that. And everyone was like, you don't take green. Green is what you don't have on an Indo boat trip. That's bad luck. It's a bad omen because that was the green spray. That yeah. was the exact, that was the exact conversation two waves before that happened. And I was like, oh, I think I might go in. How, was, how did you do it exactly? I was just doing like a, you know, you do those layback carved downs and yeah. it just felt like the board was not coming and I just got stuck in this position and then all of a sudden just snapped out the other way and I'm just like, fucking, fucking Geordie and his green <laughs> fucking sprays. And <laughs> I blame Geordie. <laughs> yeah. How, how was the psyche actually? Like we're talking about how nerve wracking needs to re-injure it again. This was your second year going through it. There was an extra hurt there where you were so far out in front for that third world title. Is that something that still stabs you in the heart? Funny enough, not really. Um, I mean, in the moment, it was a bummer, but I think I've had so much time to kind of wrap my mind around it that um, I'm not super phased by it. And right when I did it, I knew right away. I was like, I was like damn it, I think... I think that was like, that was it. That was like the final like blow to it. So many thoughts went through my mind of just, you know, I could brace it up and just go to J-Bay and just try to do some carves. And, but then, I don't know, I think my ultimate goal was to just be able to surf 100% again. Uh, just a question for me, because we discussed this the other day when we had, we did one of these interviews with Ronnie. We're talking about short years and Mick talked about the asterisk a lot. Do you see this being asterisk on... Italo's world title, Mick? Um, I guess you sort of got to put it in, in perspective where my second world title was, you know, is there an asterisk versus mine against Joel? I don't think so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I guess people can always say that, oh, he wasn't 100% or he wasn't there or this or that. 
Um, you know, I guess it's something that does pop up and you sort of got to question it, but I don't think, I don't think so. You know, it, that, that's why it's a full year, you know, you got to be healthy and strong throughout the, the full year, which is, which is hard to take and hard to hear, but that, that's how I always felt about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it does either at all because it, it happened pretty early in the year. Like, I mean, Brazil's fourth, fourth event. So there's so much size. So many things can change after that. You still, yeah, you, you still had two wins. <laughs> 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 and uh, Sammy. When, when we were talking last week, Mick was saying, hey, this whole shutdown of the world actually really favours John. For you to have an, an extra year to get that knee strong and take your time, as you were saying, and to come back at 100%, say, rather than 85 or 90, it's yeah. just gonna, it's going to be more confidence in you and then you're just going to send it harder, I feel. Yeah, for sure. And then mentally too, just not being competing for so long. It's pretty, after I've learned after the last couple of years, after you take these big amounts of time off, it's kind of, it's fun and exciting to get back into the jersey and kind of get back onto the road again. On that subject, I was, when we we're talking with Mick last week, he was saying, because I was saying that would be a disadvantage to someone who's been off tour for so long or they haven't been in the game. And Mick was talking about how there's this visual, visualization that, you guys can do it was fascinating to me can you explain that to us Mick? yeah so i guess for me a lot of a lot of my practice when i couldn't surf was visualization visualizing what i could do on the wave the brain doesn't know what's real and what's not so if you can visualize strongly then it's sort of almost like you're doing it anyway um you know there's people like fighter pilots and stuff like that that will visualize for an hour a day just going through their whole routine from zipping up their suits to taking off their helmet after a flight so is that something that you do or is that something that i'm just a weirdo and i do by myself <laughs> no i think it's super important but i think um i don't know the way we visualize might be different like i i like to visualize especially when i visualize about competing i visualize uh, the feelings I want to have as the heat's starting in that mm. kind of mindset that I want to be in. And so, um, what are those feelings? What, what do you, what are those little triggers you're looking for? Those tiny little things that we might not know for, I mean, for everyone it's different, but for me, it's more of just kind of like this, uh, letting go almost, um, just surfing how I, how I'm going to surf the heat, surfing the best I can essentially. Um, and when I'm able to click into that mode, I feel as confident as I've ever felt. And I feel like I can like really commit to things a lot on a whole nother level. With that, like I had two keywords. Mine was mm -hmm. calm and confident. That were my, yeah. that's where I sort of wanted to be going into a heat. Do you have keywords that you look at or you just don't want to give those up? <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah, on, John. I, I like how Mick's giving up because he's not on tour anymore and trying to get me to give mine up. <laughs> Come on, I still got years ahead of me here. That's right. Stuff can change within a year, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. No, no. I, I think that, I think for me that my, my keywords are just like surf the best, surf the best I can in this moment, kind of like what, it, with what I have. And it's more of like, it's not really a word. It's just this kind of that thought of like, I'm just going to surf the best I can right now. I'm super tired. Then, then I'm going to kind of hold back a little bit, you know, and I'm going to adjust my plan. And it kind of just reminds me rather than 
if there's a really good air wind but my body's super tired, not to get overexcited and just go for airs the whole time because that's probably not going to work super well. My rea reactions, everything's going to be a little slower. Yeah, that I just reminds the same problem me when I was competing, you know, with all my airs. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Remember, our heat in France, you did a sick air. <laughs> one. <laughs> just one. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, it's just... For me, it's more of, it's not just like the one word, it's more of that feeling of just being like, ah, okay, I just have to serve the best I can serve. I don't think that like anyone else can hear this, hear what we're talking about and then take that into a heat because everyone's so completely different in, in their preparation and their process of getting ready. Like, I can't take the words that you said, Mick, and they're not going to be as powerful for me, you know? Very so, much so. So I think we can talk about these things, yeah, all we want. I don't think anyone can like steal secrets or anything. Well, because Mick can give his up and you can't, what's your equivalent of the zipper for the fighter pilot, Mick? What were your little things? Um, look, I, th I think for me, I like a lot of people would have seen me sitting on the beach, you know, visualizing there. That was just a lot of a checklist for me. You know, I'd sit there and ask, you know, am I ready? Am I calm? Am I confident? Am I having fun? That, that was pretty much all I was doing there. People might have thought I was like chanting or something like that, but I was just going through a mantra and that was a mantra that I, I would carry out through my heat. It's kind of hard because the routine feels like it has to change somewhat over the years to keep it exciting in a way. Did you find that at all? Yeah, very much so. I think there's, there's going to be points where you've, some things might not be as powerful. Um, so you've, you've got to keep adding and subtracting little things. Um, a lot of people will have like a real shitty result or a real shitty sort of time they won't trust themselves so they throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. where i always found you've got to have you your key key things that are, are right there keep those always in there and then slowly add little different things maybe it's change of a warm-up maybe it's change of even just the song that you're listening to, to to paddle out with you know just the tiniest little things can just give you back that inspiration and that and that fire to keep going yeah, that's cool. That's cool to hear because I, after I won my two world titles going into 2018, I kind of like took the exact same routine that I was using and then all of a sudden it just didn't feel exciting anymore. I was just like, and then it made me just so bummed. I was like, oh, what, I don't, do I want to be here? Like, what am I doing right now? Like, and then, and then I got hurt, I, but then it gave me time to think about it. But I, it was crazy because I just now looking back on it it's such a funny thing of like well yeah it's not going to be as exciting because you just did that for two years straight almost every single day mm -hmm. like you got to take those little things to make them exciting but wait Mick, you had a pretty major injury though halfway through, kind of halfway through your career with your was it your hamstring my hamstring yeah 2004 i ripped the hamstring off the bone and different to where you were because i was still on my way up um but i had two really good years but during that time I had the opportunity to finally sit down and, and go through everything and, and realize, you know, what I really wanted to do within the sport. Back then it was pretty much you're either surfing in a heat or you go and partying whenever you had an off day. Uh, so I had to change all that too. Um, and also just, you know, learning about my body, learning about what food was good. Like Maccas won't get you through a full day of competing. Um, just all kinds of things like that training right so it was it was a big learning curve for me yeah it's crazy how injuries can become such a positive thing in a career uh, yeah I, 
through mine I've been tripping out on that <laughs> yeah when you're laying on that surgeon's table and you're like this is happening for a reason and you're sitting there going what's the fucking reason <laughs> but then six months down the track you sort of figure it out whenever this tour starts up again it's going to be so exciting because everyone should be healthy everyone should be you know injury free and and ready to go again so I'm so excited to you know be the couch critic again on the and just make sure that I don't miss a heap because I really want to see what people have done in this downtime don't lie there's a little part of you that still wants to be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm coming back for a couple of QSs. You and Kelly. Oh, no. Nah. I, I know when I'm getting flogged, mate. I, I know when to leave. <laughs> Different stages of your career. Which is the most difficult? Uh, the first, second, or the third world title, Mick? And I guess whether you have any correlations with this, John. For me personally, the first one, um, because you've never done it before, and it, it's like, Am I doing things right? You're always second guessing yourself. Um, and, and then you look over at people like, for me, it was guys like Kelly and Andy. And they're like, they just seem so calm going through this whole system of winning a world title. So I was like, am I doing it right? And, and so I just poured my whole life into that, that whole situation. And, and by the end of it, I was so exhausted, but that was the only way I knew how to win. And then the third one was, totally different again where it was it felt like I was a tradie I felt like I was going and hammering nails in every single day and I was doubting myself every day paddling out for a heat I was like I'm losing today like never never felt that confident interesting really Mm. that's super interesting and what about you John my first one was the my easiest one it felt like to me it was funny, I didn't think about winning the whole year. I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna do the best I can in each event. I'm gonna take I'm gonna try to take what I can learn from the losses and then just move on to the next one. And I just was in that strategy the whole year of just like, okay, I lost third round. Why did I lose third round? Okay, I this is why I think I lost. Moving on, I'm gonna work on it a little bit and go to the next event. And try and I didn't get very emotional about it. And then all of a sudden we were in Portugal and I was like and they're like, Oh, you could win here. So I'm, one of the media guys told me that, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. Um, that's, that's a funny thought. <laughs> and then it just it kind of worked out. I don't know. All of a sudden it happened, and I was like, whoa, that happened? It, was, it felt like the whole year just happened so quickly. Yeah. There's one thing I want to know is when you go – so there's, there's that group of you guys, um, you know, yourself, Julian, uh, Gabe, Philippe, and now Idolo. It seems like even though you guys aren't in a heat together, you're actually competing against each other, trying to create a highlight reel for the event. Is that something that you actually put mind to it or it just happens? It's, I think it's definitely in the back of my head for sure. Cause when you see Gabe do it, like last year, I remember the snapper, he did his first heat, I think it was, he did like a big straight air landed into like a blow tail reverse into like another snap. I was like, I got to start doing airs again. <laughs> and so it's like, it's definitely in the back of my mind. Because it sort of felt like in your first couple of years, you are sort of more going for the highlight reel rather than the actual result. Exactly, yeah. And 
I think those that was like my big, those were my biggest mistakes, and I still get stuck in that mindset today. Uh, I've got one more question that I while we're sticking to the world title conversation, how is it being you have this whole groundswell of support? Everyone wants you to win, and you win the first world title, and then by the second world title, everyone's sort of still into you winning, and then it flips, and you almost are in the crosshairs of everyone, and you sort of got a target on your back. What's that like to deal with? Just for me, for. For both okay. you guys, I guess. I, 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 I'm hoping you've both experienced it. You can go first, mate. I sure did. <laughs> you know, um, you know, especially in 2009. Um, you know, competing against Parker for that for that world title. Our town was totally split. You know, there was you'd be going down the street and someone would be going, "Go Parker," and then speaking to Joel, he reckons that people were going, "Go Mick," and like I don't know if they were just fucking with us or what, but it it's like you start taking it a little bit personally. Um, I know when talking to Andy about when um, after he won his first world title. He, he took it really personally. He was like, why is no one going for me anymore or this or that? Like he, he couldn't figure it out. You're my mate last year. Why aren't you my mate this year? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I felt that like the, that 2018 year, I don't know. I just, my mindset wasn't there and I just felt like yeah, no one was rooting for me. And I was just like, oh, this is so hard. And it was really hard to get motivated with that, you know, like, and everyone's like rooting for Gabe and you're like, <laughs> and are there any little pivotal moments where people hurt your feelings like any moments you remember like that are awkward or anything like that uh <laughs> i remember this one interview i had after my and this is funny i was, I was after my first world title and it was the next year on the gold coast and some guy goes to me so how does it feel you know you kind of want a world title but mick wasn't really on tour so does it really count <laughs> <laughs> you would have flogged me anyway I was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't even know the answer. I was just so like, I was like, just took it to heart. I was like, oh. So when I did come back on that on that year after, you took it real personally and just comboed me in every freaking heat. So yeah, thanks whoever that guy was. No, it was, it was funny that that year that you came back, we had a lot of heats together getting you in the very end with like some sort of little error or something little one yeah that one of bells was tiny um yeah well it happened to bells twice it happened with the alley but then it happened like again in that same event with like a little air reverse on the inside i know that's when i was like yeah it's time to quit <laughs> no that was a lot of fun i had, i was stoked like i remember when you did in france and you, you did like a pretty sick air and i was all fired up i was going back on the jet ski and i was like what that was sick G'day fellas, it's Seamus here from Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia, and I'm just curious about your opinions on asymmetric board designs and whether or not we'll see people using them competitively within say like the next five years. Stay safe guys. You gotta stick to something that's pretty damn functional um, in all conditions. So yeah, I, I can't really see them making a huge impact on tour, but in saying that, you know, a crazy long point break where you just get in tube might work. Yeah, I think it, I've never actually even ridden one, but um, like you said, I've seen guys ripping on them. And then when I heard that question, I was thinking about, I heard Gabe at the pool last year, I heard Gabe was riding one board on the right and a different board on the left. And so that kind of made it, me think about that in an interesting way. Like if you had an asymmetric board, one that's 
different going on the left of the pool and one that's different going on the right. You've been riding Pizels since you've come out of your mother's womb. Um, <laughs> have you tried other people's boards or you've just always stuck to, to John's or are you willing to go and try other people's boards? Because I can order some DHs for you. <laughs> um, I have tried other boards for sure. I've tried some Merricks and I've tried some JSs. Um, I've tried a couple of Mayhems over just over the years, a lot more when I was younger. But I just found, you know, I've grown up, like you said, I've grown up riding Puzzles boards. And so they really fit me in the way I surf. And I can really, I like it because I can go in and fine tune them really well. Because mm-hmm. um, you've been riding DHs for a long time, huh? I have, also? but I always, I always added in new things. You know, <clears throat> there was a time there where I'd only ride Takoros in Hawaii or, you know, every time I go to California, I'll pick up a Mayhem. Um, you know, I, I like to just see what other shapers are doing. Um, mm-hmm. It might necessarily be the board that I'll go and take into a, a heat or an event, but um, I... It's something where I'll pick one little thing and, and say, DH, maybe we can try this or that. Like, DH is always going to be the guy that makes my boards, but, you know, if you can find a little 1% here or there to add, that was always the key for us. And, you know, some, some shapers do get a little bit butt hurt when they, uh, their number one surfer goes and tries someone else's, but I think it's, it's pushing the shaper as well. For sure. And to that point too, you know, like I rode Kolohe, one of Kolohe's boards at Bells last year. And Kolohe's grown up surfing lowers and T-Street and all those tiny gutless little waves. And so his boards really fly over the water. And so I rode this board and Mayhem made him that was really short and really skatey. And I was just like, whoa, this thing is sick. And then so, I mean, coming into this year, I kind of took it back to Pizel and adjusted it a little bit more to myself with that same kind of idea. And then it was going to be like the board I was going to ride on the Gold Coast. But so it's interesting. You can kind of take uh, those ideas from guys that are really good at shaping in those certain areas. Love it. Elegant theft, boys. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Zake from La Jolla, California. And I want to know the boys' thoughts on the Olympics being in a wave pool instead of a shitty Japanese beach break. Go, you Olympian. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh I think that the wave pool would have been pretty cool to have the to have the Olympics in. I think it's kind of set up for that in a way, just like that stadium arena setup. You can run at any time, have a lot of spectators. But at the same time, I love surfing in the ocean. I love the uh, it's mysterious and you don't really know what's coming. You don't know what's going to happen, and it's kind of un- it has that unpredictability. So I do love that it's in the oceans. It makes it hard. I sort of look at it more as the, it's every four years, you know, giving everyone equal opportunity every four years would be really cool. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see it in the ocean and just pray that there's actual waves. Hey guys, it's Josh from the Central Coast. Mick, you're a legend. Sam, thanks for making this. But John, John, how did you process that heat with Zeke at Bells? Um, the heat with Zeke at Bells was in my really down mindset time and it just like pushed me even further down but it was a it was a good like wake up call for me you know because I kind of went into that heat like oh I'm just I'm just gonna surf my best and but then when you have someone like Zeke who's so competitive and such a good competitor and he just starts like 
you know, like really battling you in a heat, you're just like, it threw me off 100%. I was so thrown off. I was like, I, I was like standing up on waves and like falling like, oh my gosh, this is hard. <laughs> but I think overall, it was a really good wake up call for me. Was that one of those little personal moments that Zeke was probably cheering for you two years ago and now you're in a heat <laughs> with him and he's trying to paddle over the top of you thinking you're a priority boy? For sure. And that was right in that time that we were talking about, like, that was right when I was feeling like, ah, oh, everyone's against me. Like, this is, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> hey, Mick, John John, Step Team. This is Tom from Germany. Hope you're good. I uh, really love your new sailing movie, John John. Just want to ask if you got some more trips planned in the future. Cheers. Uh, thank you. And I don't know yet. We'll see. I definitely would love to do some trips in the future, though, and find some really good waves. That's my goal. It's like, go on one of those trips and just absolutely score big barrels. For me, like I really want to learn just more crossing oceans. That's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to cross an ocean and go that far. So to, to get some scale, what's the, the level of fear, say a storm approaching you in the ocean or surfing the pipe masters on a gooey knee? Uh, a storm approaching the ocean because I have a lot less experience with that, I feel like. <laughs> like I surfed a lot of heats up pipe. Hey, my name is Taylor Purser from the south coast of New South Wales. With both of you, Mick and John, having had knee surgeries, does it play in the back of your mind when you go for a surf that it could happen again? Um, mate, I I freak out. I'm I'm still not 100% surfing yet. So um, yeah, I'm scared of cutbacks. I'm scared of floaters. I'm scared of tubes. I'm scared of everything right now. But um, I think with an injury like that, they the, the surgeons actually tell you you're probably likely going to do your other one. So it's, it is pretty terrifying. Yeah, it's definitely a terrifying thing. Um, you just have in the back of your mind every time what has happened in the past. Or even if you get like a little tweak, you're like, oh, was that bad? John Florence does his, the best surfing his career over the next 12 months. Without crowds in Hawaii, he pushes the envelope too far and sustains his third major injury in as many years. He pulls out of the Olympics in 2021 and a 49-year-old replacement surfer takes his spot. I'll deny it for you. I, I definitely deny <laughs> I definitely deny that. <laughs> like I said, I'm coming into this one, I feel like a lot smarter. I'm taking my time. <laughs> what do, and what do deny, you mean? Deny. Uh, I think I think for someone that's been injured twice in the last couple of years, I think we're going to do all precautions never to get injured ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By 2025, John will have now his third world title. He'll then sail to a small Pacific island, live off the grid and the land with his family. Uh, I'm not going to run away to some Pacific island and <laughs> never come back. He already is. He already it, is on a Pacific island. Yeah, I'm already on a Pacific uh, island. Living with his family. <laughs> Pretty sure you can figure out how to get off the grid. <laughs> yeah. He's somewhere in that realm, though. No, John's, John's going to compete until he's 52 just to break a record. John joins the search and kicks off the next search program on his boat with Mick and Mason. I'll confirm that. Um, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Got inside work from management. No, uh, I would love to have him, but um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. It'd be awesome. I, I'd love to do a, a boat trip anyway with you. Um, you know, if it's on the same label or not, I'm, I'm willing to go. It'd be so fun. 
Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think having Nick and Mason on the boat trip going surfing empty waves would be like a dream for me. <laughs> Until you suck on a boat with us for 10 days and, you, and then we just totally <laughs> alter your life <laughs> and you never come back to the ever again. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, nice one, boys. I, uh, I really appreciate the time and the candor. That was really yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks, John. Appreciate it, mate. No worries. Thanks, you guys. That was fun. Mm-hmm.